Oh shit. I mean, hey. Hi. We just started. When? Just just now. Wear it now now. Before then? No. We passed then just now. So now. Yes. So we, we're live now we, on, yeah. on the internet. We are totally on the internet live right now. Did we did we break it? Yes. Did we break everything? So much. Uh, hey everybody! Hi everybody! How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait, pro tip. Wait, wait, wait! Stop! Wait, wait, hold on. We have to bring bring it back down, okay, and then okay. we have to act surprised. Let's just okay. look off completely, like like we don't even know we're on. <laughs> I think you broke it. That's right, you geeks! Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. As always, I am your host, the Commodore, without my hand on the button. And joining me is the person with his hand always on the button. Rue, how are you doing, Rue? I'm good. And I got to be honest. <laughs> I'm very good now. Pro tip for everybody. If you're working to make a live stream work for an hour and it's minutes until go time, just start uninstalling stuff and then it will work. Listen, I think that's true about everything in life. If you aren't getting what you want out of your PC, just start installing. Start uninstalling shit and everything will work fine. It'll be perfect. So it will be perfect. Talking about perfect, we are only five minutes late. That's not um, bad, actually. So, you know, that's about as damn close to perfect as you can get. We are going to have a whopper. Ooh. Why did I say the H before the W there? Because you're mentally broken. A whopper of an episode tonight for you. It's, uh, we're going to talk about some cool stuff tonight. We got a lot of T's and B's. And no, I didn't just make that up. We actually have a section of the show called the Tids and Bits, which means we talk about news and notes. It's, you know, things that we think you should know about and that have happened and that we'll talk about. And that we love you for. And that we love you for. And then we will talk wait, about... Wait, wait, stop! It's Jofo. Is the, this is his first Echo Screen, and he's joining us. We need to welcome. By welcome. the way. Welcome, Jofo. It's Jofo's first Echo Screen live. This is the week bringer. I don't. I don't like. And I don't. You know, recognize new people every single week. Who but are maybe, you people? Maybe you're thinking of that other show that I do. Anyway, it's been a while since we've done this. Can you tell? We'll do. Yeah, it is. We'll do the tids and bits. It's been a while. Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll do a little tids and bits action. Well, maybe we'll do that as part of the tids and bits. We'll talk about what we did for New Year's. Then we will go into the topic du jour. Mm -hmm. mm. It's the topic of the day. It's the soup of the day. I'll have that. So um, we'll talk a little bit about Tolkien tonight. Why would we talk about Tolkien? Because there was a film that just came out. Some of you might have seen it. Perhaps you have. It's Les Miserables. And it apparently has a wonderful performance by the lovely Hugh Jackman, Miss Anne Hathaway. Oh, Hugh Jackman. No. No, I've heard he's terrible in it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about the this, Hobbit no, a little bit. We're going to talk about the legacy of Tolkien. We're going to talk about some cool stuff like that. You don't understand the scene where Catwoman sings to Wolverine, right. and then and then Gladiator comes down the stairs, and then they have like this dramatic fight scene. Oh, it's brilliant. Anyway, it's it's, it's fantastic. And I heard I heard that the singing is is slightly better than it was when uh, Gerard Butler was the Phantom of the Opera. No, no. Okay. Um, in any case, we're going to talk a little bit about Tolkien, which I think all of you will enjoy as well. And then we will get to the third section of the show, the one that most of you tell us you like the best. 
I have no quantitative data to back that up. But I think it's the way I feel. But if you are, uh, in fact, looking forward to the question and answer section of the show, you will be waiting a while because we have to go through all that before we get there. So, but if you have a question for us, could be about anything we discussed tonight, the legacy of Tolkien, the topic du jour. You could also be about any of the TNB we talk about. Could be about what you did for New Year's or what we did for New Year's or questions about life. The universe and everything. Or the universe and everything. Whatever tickles your fancy. In any case, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, you don't have to wait till the question and answer section. You can actually ask the question by clicking my name, which you will find right here in the right side of the chat room. Just click my name, click PM or private message and send those questions in. I am the arbiter of questiondom. I'm the arbiter of secession. You are the arbiter of succession. Sure yeah, that too. Because if we break the internet, I'm blaming you. In any case, Fair enough. we will do yeah, we'll do a little question and answer. We like to do that at the end of every show. <laughs> Apparently, you guys have a lot of questions for us, so we like to answer them, and that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Does that sound good enough? <clears throat> yes. I think that might just make an episode. If we're lucky, that could just make an episode. The end. Moving along. Let's talk about some TNB. <laughs> some TNB, yes. Um, was there any news this week? I mean, I don't, I'm not really. Well, you were all smooching in your pants about CES, correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that. So, yeah. Um, you need to tell me a little bit about that. The Consumer Electronics Show. Vegas, baby. Um, one of the, one of the, I guess the more, um, interesting fully kind of um it it is it is absolutely a you know a a trade show right i mean it's not about Mm -hmm. you know fans and it is about media it is about pricing it's about journalism it's about getting your message out there um from one corporation to others about what kind of things and cool stuff you're coming up with in order to present to the world of consumer electronics over the course of the next year. Although some people show stuff that doesn't come out for many, many years. The point is people go there to show off their stuffs, right? Seems simple enough. Okay. Like a tablet in your steering wheel. Like a tablet in your steering wheel. Well, one of the cool things that that was shown at CES – uh, this year that I did tweet about was that there are currently only two cars that are actually registerable in the United States as autonomous driving vehicles. Mm-hmm. You can register an Audi in Nevada that uh, that is an autonomous driving vehicle. You can. No, I've heard about that. And it's interesting. Uh, I actually heard that on the news uh, because Audi doesn't really play around with vanity projects yes so they mean to actually try to make this a thing yes which oh, i is find it? exciting well google has had over three hundred thousand miles of of live road time without a single accident mm-hmm. so um and that is built on the toyota platform which google teamed up with um and i believe while you can't purchase those vehicles in california they are now street legal mm-hmm so Google can actually ride them wherever they want to ride them or whatever the case might be. In any case, I think that's really cool. Um, and I think that that's a, a trend that we're probably going to see quite a bit moving forward into uh, – I mean, you know, usually uh, the automobile shows and stuff cover this kind of thing. But obviously with consumer electronics and the kind of melding with the automotive universe, uh, which has happened now, 
you know, kind of fits in. I like that. Uh, I got a question for you, though. Okay. Okay. So I am involved. Section yet. Well, shut up. Uh, I am involved in a. Wait, what? In a car accident. Yes. So if I'm actually, that is a good question. That is a good secondary question to that is if you get in uh, an accident with a driverless vehicle, who's at fault? But right. I don't think they like that idea. So they probably don't think about it much. Right. Would be my guess. Secondary question. So I'm involved yep. in an industry that has its own trade show. Yes. Um, not going to go into that exactly, but <clears throat> they were saying that uh, it's kind of funny because a few, uh, you know, like five, ten years ago, people would go to these trade shows, and that's where you actually would go to see all the really cool new stuff that you would be seeing, you know, all the companies are showing off. The problem is now is that since then, the companies now, when they're showing off their new product, they, they don't show off their new products. They don't show off the new hotness because they're afraid everyone's just going to steal it. So they would rather yeah, kind of release it in the dead of night and catch everyone off guard instead of like, here's a coming pre- preview. Do you think that's happening with CES now? Because I, I've, uh, I'm hearing a lot of people say, man, CES has just really become a bust of a show. Well, this was the first year that a certain company that is also actually actively involved in gaming was not a part of CES mm-hmm. since its inception. Um, that company would be Microsoft, even though Balmer did crash the show at what apparently was an absolute train wreck of a trade show presentation. If you want to laugh uproariously, go check out the Qualcomm briefing at CES this year. I hear it is an absolute hoot. Oh, Qualcomm it's... briefings are always a hoot. Anyway, but so Steve Ballmer apparently crashed the party there, so he couldn't. Microsoft could not help itself. It couldn't stay away from CES. But this was the first year that Microsoft was not openly involved with it, even though they came out on stage. So. Um, interestingly, I think you're probably right in that regard. However, you know there are, there are certain kinds of industries that are just really, really, really competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, your industry in particular, mm-hmm. very, very competitive from a component standpoint, from a pricing standpoint, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I completely get that. My mystery right? industry that no one can know about. <laughs> <laughs> it's toxic waste. Uh, yes. So... But I think there, you know, there are plenty of folks that are. I mean, we talk about the whole Kickstarter phenomenon, right? Uh-huh. I mean, the idea that there are people out there that are trying to get as much attention as they possibly can to a particular idea that they've come up with. CES still is probably the best way. So I think you're seeing a lot of uh, the smaller guys take over the CESs of the world, rather than. I mean, Pebble had a CES presentation this year. Now. Did they have a huge stage and a DJ and Maroon 5 play? No, that, didn't, that isn't what happened. They had like, you know, one of those crappy, like, <laughs> they look like kind of clothes hangers, like these little like clothes hanger things that they hang a curtain from so that no one can see the dude behind it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really, really crappy. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it was a CES presentation and people were live blogging it. It was pretty cool. What I find interesting is that E3 doesn't seem to have fallen into this, this mm-hmm. trap. Uh, it's, well, gaming is different. Gaming you know? is different, but it's still a trade show, and there's still trade secrets. I mean, we or we Nintendo could have sat on the Wii U and not, you know, talked about it a year a year and a half before launch. Yep. Uh, and and just blown everyone away and released it and been like, bam, you know, like an Apple product or something. But bam. no, they still all the companies pretty much still lay all their cards on the table, even if games are years in development. So, oh, I don't know. Reggie Fizami is the uh, Emerald of video gaming. Yeah. Bam. Take my Wii U. That's dirty. Um, 
Okay, so a couple more uh, notes to talk about. Uh, One, people already have jumped on in the uh, chat. But, um, oh, 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 oh. I do want to ask you, though, because someone also mentioned the new Facebook search. I was yeah. I was curious. We haven't talked about this yet. I was wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. I I am um, so I'm not surprised by this. I'm not surprised at all. Um, I, I, you know, of course, again, Google the, wants the, to be the, Facebook, and Facebook wants to be Google. Well, it's what's interesting is that they they both want a universe where the other doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. So there are four companies involved in the great tech war right now, and all of them are going to start to mirror each other. Wait, wait, before Google, you go on, before you go yeah. on, uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about, I think it was yesterday, uh, Facebook announced a new interact, a new thing with their search feature where you can like search for, uh, it uses data that they've mined from your friends and such. So like if you search for a uh, Chinese restaurant in San Francisco, it'll see what your friends thought about various Chinese restaurants and tell you which ones they prefer. So it's right. it's more of that Google's doing the same type of thing where it's they're mining the data that they collect from you to you know give you more personalized information and they just know everything about you before you even want to know it. So if you really really hate your friends, you're not going to like this feature. Mm-hmm. And I hate. And all if my you friends. don't value their opinions, then you're really going to hate this this feature. If you love your friends or you think your your friends' uh, opinions are quite valuable to you, then maybe that's of, of use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the four tech companies that are involved right now are in the great tech war. One, Google. Two, Facebook. Three, Amazon. Oh, yeah. You see that one coming? What, like five years ago? I hate you. Amazon, well, I mean. Amazon's a big, a big player for a little while. Amazon has been a big player for a while. Here's what's interesting about Amazon. The, the, Jeff Bezos was actually recently named one of the top executives in the world. Uh-huh. Because he's willing to kind of continue to fight for land, as it were, ground, share, in ways that most executives would never, ever do. He's very good at the long game, and I yeah, very much respect is. that. Go, I mean, well, go the all man, the way back to like 2000. You know, The man began by selling books out of his garage. It's very impressive. It's not, it's not, it's, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, the 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 tech companies are that are fighting for each other. All the ones I just mentioned, all of the all of them are kind of they do things that are similar to each other. You know, Google has its own video service. Facebook has its own video service. Amazon has its own video service, but it's not like it's not user created. Um, although I could see that coming. You know, um, they all have their own review systems, their own shopping systems, their own um, app systems, their own mobile systems, whatever you could think of, right? They all have kind of their own play on what's happening with um, you know, with technology and what their vision should be, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised at all to see that, there, that there's going to be search in, in Facebook, and I'm not, I'm not at all surprised to see if that's going to continue and grow to the point where, hey, Facebook basically does the same kind of search that Google does. Look at Bing. Bing does basically the same kind of search that Google does. It just isn't Google. Yeah, and they fought, but they fought really hard for that share. Absolutely. The, the and, thing is, I, I think the shine is off of Facebook. Definitely. 
I think there's no, well, in two ways. One is in public perception, in terms of viewing the actual tool. Mm -hmm. Two, the shine is off Facebook from an investor perspective. That one is arguably even more important. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I agree. It is. It's 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 tough. Okay. So last last thing, real quick hit. Yeah. I'm sure you noticed this. I'm sure your bated breath. Uh, yeah. There was a tweet uh, or a small a series of tweets a few weeks ago from uh, Shigesato Itoi talking about mother uh, as a. You know what. Well, I could look it up exactly, but uh, to give you the gist, he was like teasing. He was like, you know, wouldn't it be great if you know we were working on something and the and the all the mother games could be kind of like re reimagined or something like that. He, they're parsing the Japanese to English is always tricky, uh, but um, <laughs> and some people have run away with this thinking, oh god, mother compilation 3ds confirmed re-release it's gonna be awesome and stuff like that and it does sound like that's what he's hinting at but there's been no confirmation whatsoever i'm just sure that people would want to talk want to hear about that yeah so, i'm sure they do so i want to bring it up i'd like Good it i would like it Let, here's here's one more thing i was going to talk about about ces before we move on no one cares about ces oh people people care about the gaming that came out of ces oh yeah okay good point okay so a couple gaming items for from ces one is that you had Valve talking about what will probably be what we had all kind of thought was coming was is a Steam box, so something that will actually play or or use Steam um, to power your games for your television as a kind of a set top box. I think that's really cool. A lot of details came out about it, um, which we could go on and on on and on about. But I got one of those called computer. Yeah, or as Jack Mandrake says, the Valve version of the Ouya which I think is probably just about true. Pretty much. Um, even though the Ouya doesn't have the most popular game delivery platform in the entire world on it. But in any, in any case... I'm sorry, but you mispronounced it. It's uh, Ouya. Ouya. Um, the other thing that happened was NVIDIA shocking the universe um, by basically coming out and saying, oh, by the way, we're getting into the mobile slash console gaming mm -hmm. uh, war, and we're going to create uh, what is now we know as Project Shield, even though I'm sure it won't be no known as that for long, which is the basically an Xbox 360 controller with a screen. Mm -hmm. And it not only has a tremendous amount of power in, in its own right to be able to play games, but it also will stream games straight from your PC. So if you have a game on your PC and you want to play it um, remotely, you can do that. Okay, that's are, interesting. Are you excited for any of these things, though? Really? Um, the Steam Box, yes, I am. So because, and I think you know, the, the Steam Box is going to be another cool, more, more, um, more gaming-based version of what we already see from the mobile set-top boxes, like you know, the Roku or the Boxy Box. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. None of those are very game-centric. They're all very much for consumers for watching TV or Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. The Steam Box will do all of that, but it'll also play games from Steam, and I think that's really cool it kind of pushes back on the whole PC gaming era because I think you're going to see a lot of games that, you know, normally would have only seen a PC release. Now all of a sudden you can play them on your TV. Um, mm. By the way, they're also looking at low latency controllers and things like that, which should open up a lot of cool leeway into, you know, actually being able to play the, you know, PC quality games on your TV. Yeah. I'm skeptical of the whole thing, but we'll see. Fair enough. I think that's a completely fair point. 
Um, one other quick thing. Okay. Uh, for first of all, you should move a little bit more to your left because you keep shifting right. Ooh, I don't like shifting right. Yes, there you go. Uh, and then um, <clears throat> people, uh, again, I saw this today, and people in the chat uh, are noting it as well, that X Xseed has announced Pandora's Tower for North American release, which means that uh, Operation Rainfall, the fan project, the fan... Uh, you know, groundswell grassroots campaign to get these three Japanese games released in the West are they're three for three. Wow. Uh, with last story and Xenoblade Chronicles. Unfortunately, Pandora's tower from what I understand is the least good of the three, which might have mm -hmm. something to do with why it took this long for them to announce that. Yep. Um, so we'll see, but Hey, that. so what does that mean for, you know, grassroots campaigning for this type of thing? Uh, for, for getting wider releases to one region only games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we talked about it a lot with the, or, um, or that like the massive effect three ending thing, you know, more, yeah. more and more audience participation in company decisions. Do you think it's good? Popular bad, sentiment. Yeah. It gets, gets, and we could do a whole nother podcast on that. I, I mean, I, you know, good. with the, um, maybe it should be. with, yeah, maybe we should be all right that now. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit with the Kickstarter, but because I, I think, you know, the the groundswell of of support for something is good in certain cases, I think. I think it's really dangerous in other ones. You know, it, I think there are probably a lot of decisions right now that are getting made for, say, Bioshock Infinite that people probably would have said, no, that's horrible. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And then it's going to come out and people are going to go, oh, this is fantastic. I love this. Right. You can't. You can't listen to everything your audience says or else you kind of become a slave to them. Oh, yeah. But I think at the same time, well, you're talking about something very different. You know, th These are games that are very well celebrated in different parts of the world, and we never get to experience them. So the fact that you know there is an audience for them here, that you can demonstrate there's an audience, and that they could be you know, commercially successful in a certain niche, yeah. that's awesome. I could see that continuing for a long, long time. In some ways, it does feel a little strange in 2013. I almost said 2012. In 2013, uh, to not have almost immediate access to something that's made on the other side of the globe. It's true. We've got we've gotten a little spoiled with that. We did. You know? Yeah. I mean, gaming, the explosion of gaming did a lot of things. But one of the things it did was it really spoiled us in terms of our capability to have global concurrent releases, mm -hmm. which seems to happen for pretty much everything that's a AAA title nowadays. Uh, actually, though, funny you mention that because the new uh, Pokemon. This is more news, man. It's been a while. Uh, real quick, it has been a while. Uh, the new Pokemon games uh, for uh, 3DS, X and Y, uh, I believe. I don't know, kind of weird. They're running out of uh, colors and gemstones, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> that was announced, and it's going to be a concurrent release worldwide. First time they're doing that. So there you go. Maybe they're finally well, wising up. Nintendo needs a little shot in the arm. I think Pokemon's just what the doctor ordered. That's um, always what Doctor Mario orders. Yeah, it, well, it it basically kept the company alive for ten years. <laughs> Might as well go back to what you got that works, right? Yes. Um. All right. Let's let's end this whole T and B section, man. I'm oh, done with this. Okay. So done with it. I'm so no more T and B. So done with it. Um. Here's another T and B for you. The Joe Schmo Show is back, and by the way, you should totally check it out. Um, is that the fake reality show? Yes, it's, it's so, so fantastic. Funny. Oh my god. So fantastic. It's back. I just watched the first episode tonight. Funny. Very funny. Lorenzo <laughs> Lamas. Check it out. 
Um, the smarmy host. Sorry, go ahead. The smarmy host is back. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> Except he plays a dog bounty hunter in this. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, we're moving on to the topic du jour. Now, we talked about this at the top of the show. We uh, the, the Hobbit was finally released. Yeah, well, part one of three thousand. Part, part one of three thousand of The Hobbit was released. Yeah. And... It's been pretty. It's received pretty good reviews. Yeah, now, not as good as the Lord of the Rings, but still. Not as good as Lord of the Rings. Respectful. No, no. Um, but very. If, if it were a standalone movie, and the Lord of the Rings had never been made, we would have said this is a very successful movie mm-hmm. by pretty much any standard. Right? Okay. Now, have you seen The Hobbit yet? No. Okay. Have you seen the Lord of the Rings films? Uh, yeah. Have you seen them multiple times? Yeah. Have you seen the special editions? Yeah, I remember when we tried to Have do you all seen three. the National Geographic documentary about the shooting of the Fellowship? I saw a part of it. Okay. Have you read the books? Um, I read the first half of the first book, uh, and then the person who let me borrow it took it back. Fail. I know. Have you read The Cimmerillion? No one enjoys okay, that. No, no, one, no one's read The Cimmerillion. No, I haven't read The Cimmerillion either. Okay. Folks, what I'm getting at. Way too padded out, yeah. Yeah, what I'm getting at is that there are a lot of works by Tolkien. The Hobbit is obviously the latest release and, and the most celebrated in a long time. We started thinking about what what it really meant to the legacy of Tolkien and what it means today. Because what we're seeing, I think, is actually a, 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 a new resurgence in fantasy writing and fantasy pop culture, fantasy influence in pop culture. Okay, mm-hmm. and I want to know where Tolkien sits in that kind of space, right? Because I think if you looked, you know, twenty or thirty years ago, <laughs> when fantasy was looked very, very different than it did today. Oh man, yeah, it was. There was still a lot of pulp, pulp fantasy. It would be, exactly. I think. Well, depends on what you had to define pulp. So I'm, I'm going to skip right over that. But okay. okay. But I'll get to that. I think Tolkien had a very distinct place in that that was pretty identifiable. I'm wondering if it's still the same way today. Uh, as it was 30 years ago? Yeah. I think, I think things are way different. Look at I um, think They're way different too. Okay. But how? Okay. A few ways. Uh, I think right around 2000, for whatever reason, fantasy in general became a lot more widely accepted. Um, fantasy fantasy anything anything okay, okay. Uh, and I think Lord of the Rings had a lot to do with that the, the movies obviously yep uh, so there's direct Tolkien influence also right around 2000 the next uh, edition the third edition of D&D came out yep uh, and really injected some new life into the uh, game you're still talking about a niche there. It's not really a, a popular cultural phenomenon. It's not super popular, but it did get more popular uh, from the yes. from the dark days when TSR was kind of running it into the ground. Um, yeah. And when you look back at 30 years ago, yeah, early 80s, yep. Wow. I mean, D and D was completely. It was like a. Uh, verboten, you know. It's either oh, yeah. you're weird, you're gonna kill someone, you're gonna kill yourself. Uh, only the really freaky people do that. Now, it's the devil. 
Yeah, now no one will say that. I mean, people might be like, oh, you play D&D? Okay, well, that's interesting. I've, I've told people that I work with, like, oh, yeah, I play D&D sometimes. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, they don't know what the hell that means necessarily, but right. they're, they're not shunning people. So, right. And I yeah. think a generation shift also might have something to do with it. But Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. But, 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 that's, but that, that begs the question, right? I mean, where... Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, I interrupted. So you said you, you know Tolkien comes back in a big way with the celebration of the ho- of um, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, D and D gets a new edition. Where are you going with that? Oh, I just said that's <clears throat> right around the same time. You had two different genres, or not genres, two different medium media, mm-hmm. uh, with where fantasy makes a big resurgence. You know. Yes. Um, I think you're ignoring probably the most popular thing that happened with fantasy that actually spurred it, which is Sky Sam Freeman just talked about it. It's Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Right around the same time. Exactly. Right around the same time. Because Harry Potter took children's literature, made it very, very, you know, accessible for adults Mm -hmm. and made it okay to be someone that wanted to watch The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Mm Um. You know, I, I think uh, I think there was a complete you know resurgence in parents allowing their kids to say, yeah, absolutely, you should be reading these fantasy books. These are really cool things for you to get into. And then going to see the Lord of the Rings really is not that much of a leap, right? Now maybe you're not going dressed up in you know Gimli or you know Arwen garb or something, but you're you know you can still go and, and enjoy the movies and still have a lot of fun, right? Yeah, no, that's this huge one-two punch, and I don't think it's out of line to say that Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings did for fantasy um, movies, at least. Fantasy fantasy media, what um, Star Wars did for science fiction. Science fiction. I, Star, I, I Star Wars and more. Star Trek, actually. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think it's an interesting... Yeah, but really... Well, anyway, I won't get into that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think... <laughs> It, but but I'm going to agree with everything they said, and then I'm going to ask the question again. Okay. Where does that put Tolkien in the kind of greater, you know, psyche? Is it? Are we really celebrating? You know, is Tolkien still kind of this symbol mm-hmm. of you know almost like the Godfather of contemporary fantasy, right. or have we kind of left him behind? Jofo makes a point that I yep. think alludes to yours. Or he says Harry Potter is more of a genre of modern fantasy rather than Tolkien Tolkienish fantasy. Well, Tolkienish is what we know now as high fantasy, high right? High fantasy, kind of old fashioned. Uh, but sword and sorcery. And here's, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So here's what I'm thinking though: is that even if something is not a direct representation of, or or, or um, doesn't pull directly source material from Lord of the Rings. It still does in yes. almost in almost any fantasy setting that you can see on movies or TV, like or, uh, Game of Thrones or anything like that. You will normally find very similar um, themes. Uh, magic, obviously. Certain um, races. Yes. Orcs, elves. Some sort of little person, a uh, hobbit, I think is trademarked, so you hear more halfling, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And you, if, you do. It's And, and almost all the names that Tolkien cre- came up with are basically the same names that every single fantasy story yeah. uses. Yeah, yeah. But and especially with games. 
Oh, uh, of course. I mean, you know, D&D &D itself is a kind of celebration in many ways of Tolkien. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just is, right? Um, so it, it almost makes sense that every game that kind of comes after it has the same kind of feel to it. You know what I mean? But it's interesting you bring up Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because that was exactly where I was going to go. I, I just... Game of Thrones to me is awesome. It's great. I really like it. I can't wait. We're only two months away now, basically two, two and a half months away from the new season of Game of Thrones. And, you know, as long as George R.R. R. Martin stays alive, he'll continue to probably write Game of Thrones books uh, or Song of Ice and Fire books. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, it, it took, you know, he's working on like book seven now. So that just means there can be at least a seventh season of Game of Thrones. In any case... Um, Game of Thrones really does differentiate itself. It really, in many ways, I think, rejects Tolkien in very fundamental ways. If anything does, it, that's very popular in fantasy, it does. Yeah, because it's, it, it's all about, you know, there are no real races. It's just humans. Mm -hmm. And there are different cultures of humans. In other words, it kind of de-Star Trek's Star Trek. You know what I mean? It's like instead of putting all these races out there or all of these different, you know, peoples and, you know, planets and faraway lands, it's just, there are all these humans on this other place that looks exactly like earth and they all don't get along very well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, I mean, there is a little bit, I guess there is a little bit of a magic element, but there's really not. It's really more about, it's a very believable world, except for the fact that there are dragons. Yeah, except for that. But there really there aren't even dragons when when it starts. I mean, when it starts out, there are no dragons. Dragons have been dead for a long time. You know, which you know, who knows? Maybe they're just dinosaurs. So, do you think Game of Thrones would have come about without Lord of the Rings? Without Tolkien? That's a great question. I mean, I, I I'm not sure. I, I think no, but I'm not sure that gets to the point. I mean, first of all, I, I don't think D and D happens without Tolkien. I don't think there's any kind of resurgence in in what we now know as modern or contemporary fantasy without Tolkien. And I think his legacy will continue to be that. But at the same time, I think we are seeing a lot of fantasy that, you know, maybe moves in a little bit of a different direction. You know, it was kind of like when the golden compass gets written because someone has a problem that CS Lewis writes about Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, people are kind of, People, I mean, I'm not saying that Tolkien was overtly religious, although he certainly was writing religious themes in his in his in his work. Sure. Um, people are kind of revolting from Tolkien, with this kind of beautiful vision of the world, and you know, people kind of act on the greatest intentions, except for the evil folks, and there is a good and evil. All those things are kind of getting rejected now into the fantasy we see now. Like, um, you know, even even Camelot the the popular british series which by the way is absolutely awful um <laughs> did we watch part of that once no okay i'm thinking of something else no Maybe but robin I, hood. I, I tried to put it on the oh uh, yeah see i watched the old robin hood series from the 80s oh yeah that's that that's that is pretty awful as well yes um robin of sherwood i think is what it's called but anyway you know what i mean it's it's like um i think we're seeing a little bit of a revolt against tolkien and I'm wondering if that's a critique on him or if that's only solidifying his legacy. 
Jax Mandrake has a, a, point, a point to make about how C.S. Lewis is much more religious allegory than Tolkien. Yes and no. They were actually very good friends. Um, Absolutely. In but, fact, Tolkien is is in many ways almost directly responsible for C.S. Lewis's eventual conversion to Christianity and his works therein. Which is really amusing looking back on it. But there, there's, there's definite allegories to both. Um, Tolkien has a lot of stronger themes of nature over technology and things like that. I mean, growing up during the World War One, where technology was crushing everything, he didn't like that. But anyway, um, I thought it was interesting to go back uh, onto how much Tolkien influences things today and if there's a revolt. Um, you mentioned that D&D was influenced by Tolkien. And yes, I'm sure it was, definitely. Interestingly enough, though, if you asked like Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax when they were alive, what their yep. biggest influences were. I mean, mm -hmm. who knows? They might have been telling half-truths. But they, they more um, obviously like strategic games from the 50s and stuff like that. These real, like the Avalon Hill games were big influences. But um, it was Pulp Fiction from like the sure. 30s, like Conan the sure. Barbarian, yep. uh, that, that they say more influenced them than Tolkien. And I think that's interesting too. I mean, I, I like... There's there's always been pulp, right? There's always been kind of the um, the kind of less popular, more serial side of of fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. um, really, since Lovecraft, you know, there's there's oh, been Lovecraft this kind is of, also a big a big influence, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's well, especially the original versions of D and D. If you look at any of the um, creature manuals, they are very Lovecraftian. And there's still imprints of that today with like the mind flayers and the illithids. I never know how to pronounce them, but yeah. Well, yeah, it's all just crazy. But but you know, I I would say that that the game system itself, as long as well as you know what things have evolved into with D and D, are very much still influenced by Tolkien and are very much more Tolkien than they are Lovecraft. Right. Um. I, that's what's probably become because I think the people that have had their hands in D and D since have definitely made it more. Tolkien-esque sure uh, but it's interesting to, to note that Tol fantasy does not begin and end with Tolkien uh, because no. we have things like Conan the Barbarian and and Lovecraft that were pre Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings I think came out what late 50s or so mm -hmm. around 50s um, <laughs> but and the Hobbit came out a lot earlier than that that okay was, yeah that's true too yeah. um, but it's interesting because Obviously, D and D very much influenced RPGs, both in the West and the East, um, and that is a very, very direct link. Yeah, and see, that's that's what's so cool, you know, because I think most of us on here have have a love for RPGs, oh, yeah. and you know, a lot of us have a love for JRPGs, especially in the classic sense. Mm -hmm. And classic JRPGs are just kind of interesting retellings of Tolkien literature in many ways you know they use very very similar themes they have very similar kind of aesthetics um and you know if you play something like skyrim skyrim's the races of skyrim are exactly the same as the races of middle earth right but that's a western rpg right it is so i'm just saying yeah so so my, my point is it's you you said east and west right right so right, it's right. the influence is everywhere but i, I love my point is that it's permeated this clearly very American RPG, mm -hmm. but yet it's also really at the heart of those classic Japanese role-playing games that we all know and love. Oh yeah, you got dragons, you have swords and sorcery, of course, 
at the base it's very very similar because wizardry was very very influential toward the development of japanese role-playing games that's right that's uh, right which was an american product which was that's very right. heavily based on D D. so there you go yeah and it's kind of a clear lineage here there's not a lot of movement in rpgs some people say even to the detraction of rpgs today it's funny that there's a lot of detraction toward japanese rpgs nowadays but you still have stuff like skyrim come out that's still yep. very it's still very much high fantasy you know there's there's not a lot of movement it is there. it is epic of epic fantasy yeah but people love um, it it's i mean it's sword and sorcery to the max and that's why i love it um yeah, the only wizardry games made now are in japan it was it was a probably more influential over there than it ever was here so I think that's probably true. We're just saying something. Unless you, unless you ask Kurt Schilling, who that was his nomination to the best video game of all time. Right. But Kaz the Gamer Guy has a good point as well. About that's true. About um there are there are are non fantasy RPGs too that have come mm-hmm. out. Obviously there's like Earthbound and stuff. The World Ends With You, which I still am waiting to play. I have it and I just need to play it. I hear it's fantastic. Yep. Me Things too. like that. So so there very is that the is that the game version of Game of Thrones where it's like kind of nudging away from the Tolkien influence. Yeah, or, or I'll take that a step further and look at, at TV and film. You know, look at, you were talking about Sherlock before. Right, you got you to gotta watch that. Look at Doctor Who, right? Look at okay. Lost. That's campy. Um, but but I, I, I'm not, I, I understand. In I'm a not a way. What I'm saying is that it's fantasy set in the contemporary world, uh, right? I don't know. I think it's more science fiction-y. Okay. I mean, well, that that maybe needs to, to have a distinction as well, because sci-fi is really just a genre of fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about a, you know, maybe you have over here sword fantasy. and sorcery and hero, you have sci-fi, but they kind of fork back. Yeah, you could say the that idea of fantasy, a, a proto genre. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't even know where that. Anyway, but that's not the point. It all point is with uh, uh, Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. No, it didn't. Yeah. Started long before that. Started Beowulf. No. Okay. Well, no, that was more like just a. Mo- that was just modern then. That was just like going out and, you know, with all the the monsters in day to day life. Right. Just go out, take it, and grab your knife and wrestle a giant creature to the ground and stab it. And his mother. Um, and his mother. Yeah, that was and, daily life uh, in the Middle Ages. Why? Right, no, it's, it's, it is. It's true. Yeah. Uh, especially in the um, the Isle of Britannia. So I hear. Um, <laughs> all right, so The Hobbit came out. It's very good, by the way. I, I, I think The Hobbit's good. Am I going to go out on a limb and say it's as good as the Lord of the Rings movies? As you have already noted, the, the reviews have not been as good. No, it's not. It's not as good as the Lord of the Rings movies. It's not as good as any of the three of the Lord of the Rings movies. That's to be expected, Okay. They're doing a lot here. It's not just The Hobbit, by the way. They're taking in a lot of, that's why they're calling it A Hobbit Unexpected Journey, because they're, they're tying in a lot of other stuff. A lot of things that, you know, were, um, were tied in to kind of appendices of Return of the King that were never really kind of, you know, planned out. A lot of the Cimmerillion, too. Yeah, we're kind of taken in and they pull it all into this three movie thing that's going to happen so the hobbit's really good it has the feel of a lord of the rings movie well absolutely the look and feel is authentic but it's much more a children's kind of movie 
it's not as kind of uh, dark and deep well, as not, Lord of the Rings. It's not the end of the world, so yeah. And it should be, right? So it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a... Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's a good take on it. I have never read The Hobbit, as I have with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. so I can't say that I'm missing a particular version of the book or something like that, or that the changes piss me off. <laughs> but I think it's really good. In... The world that we're in, though, where this is a really good movie, I have a funny feeling the other two will be just as good. We have the Lord of the Rings films, which are fantastic. My theory is that Tolkien will really stay at the heart and uh, and, and the driving force behind fantasy for a long time to come. And it's going to take a long time before we see fantasy that really actually can kind of separate itself from Tolkien's influence. I mean, what do you think about that? I think that's fair. Um Game of Thrones is definitely making a good play for it, though. It um, is, and I love it. I, I love it just as much as I ever loved, you know, Lord of the Rings. I love it. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't see any huge new groundbreaking fantasy. Uh, Harry Potter. Actually, I wonder if Harry Potter. I honestly wonder if, like, in fifty years, it'll be seen as a modern work of a modern classic that, like, yeah. kids still kind of like Lord of the Rings today. More more akin to The Hobbit, but yes. Sure, but you know, just what I mean is like something that will live on past this generation. I, think, I, I think it could. I'm interested about that with with, uh, with uh, Song of Ice and Fire, the George R. R. Martin series as well, because I got to tell you, Tolkien makes George R. R. Martin look like a crayon-toting kindergartner. <laughs> I mean, yeah. George, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Game of Thrones books. I have I've started Thrones. reading them, yeah. Okay. They're not very well written. They are sketchy. There's a lot of weird clothing description, like a ton of clothes. He walked in wearing a purple cape that, you know, it was just like, what? And why do I need to know this? Stable boy, Devin. Oh, shut up. Brushing his long, lustrous hair. Sorry. The greatest. That was never in any. Some of the people out there have heard the story I wrote, and it wasn't even close to that. And he had the sword that you just had to touch. Okay, that was in there. Yes. The point is, um, you know, it, it's it it makes it just looks rudimentary comparatively. Oh, so I someone think, has to disagree with you. It's Mark. Who? Mark one K one. He disagrees. Oh. Okay, well, he's it's perfectly fine. You can disagree with me. It's not a. <laughs> However, I'm telling you, Mark. Unfortunately, you're wrong because oh, George R. R. Martin looks completely ridiculous compared to Tolkien. Tolkien dances circles around him. And that is absolutely <laughs> until I think we see somebody that has the uh the writing skill and the skill with language that Tolkien had. Um I'm not sure you're gonna see anybody that can supplant him as the kind of vanguard of um fantasy literature. I think physics of video games might think that if you made your uh, wonderful story, high fantasy story into a movie that might do it. Should I rewrite it? I should rewrite it. You should, and make it into a movie. We can do that. We have the capability now. We have the capability to, to make that into a film. <laughs> and the, now the question is: Do we alter the script and try to make it good, or do we keep it as it is and just be nope. absolutely terrible with it? Terrible, absolutely terrible. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can see that happening. So I don't want to be in this film. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We'll right. we'll get uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. I'm sure he has nothing to do. Nope. So, uh, real quick before we move on. Okay. 
48 frames frames per second. Did you see it in 48 frames frames per second? I, I saw it in 3D IMAX, but I didn't see it 48 frames a second. I've heard the 48 frames a second thing just destroys it. I'm curious to see it though. I'm curious because I like the idea behind it, but it's, it's, it's just different. It might be too different. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know what else I don't understand? Hmm. Why Tom Bombadil's movie? Oh, I mean that. Yeah. Why is Tom Bombadil not in The Hobbit? I mean, I get that he's not in The Lord of the Rings, but damn. Maybe he's coming. No, he's not coming. Anyway, so, yeah, that's 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 the legacy of Tolkien. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. We're going to get now to the part of the show where you guys get to ask us your questions. Many of you have already asked questions to me. I'm actually, I'm actually sitting here right now with question, questions in my pocket ready to ask, which is great. How do people but, ask you questions? If you haven't asked your question yet, and by the way, your questions can pertain to anything you'd like. Could be about some of the tids and bits we talked about at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Could be about the topic du jour, the legacy of Tolkien. Could be about stuff we've talked about before in the Echo Screen Live. Could be about stuff that we've never talked about about on the Echo Screen Live itself. I'm ready. Hit me. All you have to do is click my name on the right hand of the side of the screen. Click PM. There's my name, in case you don't know it, Commodore 128. Click on my name, click PM, and send me your question. Do people have we questions? Have it. Do people because if we don't have a lot of questions, then the Q&A section is very small. Do people um, have questions about my huge phone? It's huge. It's great. No. No one has a question about your huge phone. I see it. It's very exciting. No, I'm, I'm looking at the – I'm looking right now at the questions, and no one has a question about your huge phone. There should be. Okay. Wow. Lots of people are asking questions now. Yes. Here we go. Kaz the Gamer Guy coming in strong to kick us off. You ready for this? Looking at the, the new year of gaming, what titles, if any, are you looking forward to experiencing? Great question. South Park, The Stick of Truth. Next. I couldn't agree more. Fan <laughs> have you seen the trailer for that thing? Yes, I have. It's ridiculous. It is, it is just pure South Park. It's great. Can't and wait. it's absolutely superb. I would perhaps even sublime. I'm very excited. Um, uh, SimCity. SimCity is well. I am excited for what is probably going to be one of the biggest AAA releases of the year, Bioshock Infinite. Oh, yeah. You've been waiting for that for years. I have. I love... By the way, all of you need to do yourself a favor right now. Well, not right now because I don't want you to close the podcast. But after the podcast is over, do yourself a favor, navigate over to Polygon and read the feature article about Ken Levine. Will absolutely love it. It, it. it should it should give you a little bit of insight into I think how video games should be made. Jofo, uh, I just need to point out. Jofo says injustice, gods among us. I might know someone who works on that. Just saying. Just saying. It's just throw not throw out connections. Sorry, I, let me pick up that name I just dropped. Actually, I yep. didn't really drop it, but I you just did like saying that. Go ahead. You didn't embarrass yourself that much. The Onion Knight is asking, are you guys fans of the Fire Emblem series? <sighs> Never really got into it. Me neither. Uh, and I played the one you had for Super Nintendo. Didn't you have one for Super Nintendo? Mm -mm. No. You're thinking of... Breath of Fire. You're thinking of Breath of Fire. I like those, uh, but that's more that's more actual RPG. I have a dirty secret. Okay. Never played Final Fantasy Tactics. You never played Final Fantasy Tactics? I have it. I've never played it. It's fantastic. Yeah. For those of you that have an Xbox and you like fantasy, Final Fantasy Tactics, you must play an absolutely awesome game called Gladius. 
First Correct. off, Mahi123 has put up a link to what you were talking about with the Ken Levine. Thank thing. you. Thank you so much. See, this is why this is why it's great to have fans, you know? It's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Ready? Uh, Sonic Rose. I've heard her. What is your favorite game of high fantasy? Hmm. Good question. Um... I mean, if it counts, Final Fantasy VI. I don't know if you would really classify that as high fantasy because it's somewhat absolutely. industrial as well, though. No, I would. I would absolutely classify that as high fantasy. I mean, you still you you collect a sword called Ragnarok for Christ's sake. Okay, fair come enough. Come on, yeah, come on. That almost seems too easy, but yeah, no, no, no. I'll go with the easy. I, I, you know, mine. What is it? Final Fantasy IV. No, Skyrim. Oh, All right, yeah. so let's see. Do, 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 do. That's a good question. Um, God, there's so many. I'm like, I'm sorting through a thousand of them. Here we go. Nightwolf asks, what are your thoughts on pro gaming? Mm. And I can already answer you the second question for you, Nightwolf. The answer is no. Would you ever get into that? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm not a fan at all. I just can't get into it. Um, I guess it's nice that people can do that. And it's almost seen like a sport or at least a competitive thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I have problems watching people just play games. I do too. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that there's nothing at all kind of um, athletic or, or I guess. Um, yeah, athletic's uh, not the right word, but. Skill skilled about the folks that that are playing game games professionally because lord knows i don't have those skills but i just don't think they display themselves the way that certain sports skills do the spectacle of athletics um are really hard to replicate now somebody could say the same thing about poker you'd be absolutely right yeah um the thing is, you know, in poker, people are playing for a ton of money. If poker wasn't being played for money, it was being played for really just superiority. I don't think anybody would watch it. Um, um, it probably also doesn't help me that most of the games that are pro gamer type games, I yeah. just am not interested in. It's like StarCraft and Call of yeah. Duty and stuff like that. I'm like Dota, League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, League of Legends is huge. And I'm just like, man, all right absolutely huge i don't get that at all anyway um let's see here so the bow tie guy uh, twin galaxies that's a whole other question anyway oh, go ahead. God. that's a completely yeah um the bow tie guy in addition to asking a question about your phone which i'm not going to ask what do you <sighs> think of the recent death of aaron schwartz oh the founder one of the founders of reddit right one of the founders of reddit um who was also uh, very much about free information on the internet. Yes, so much so that he did some naughty things. Yeah, he, uh, what, he hacked um, a database, a JSTOR, I believe. Actually, I'm not sure if he hacked it as much as he hacked his account from MIT of it. Right, and so, so he, like, downloaded a bunch of, like, um, papers. A ton of free, yeah, documents, well, you know, peer-reviewed journals. Exactly. These, the, these aren't like movies or music no, or anything no. like that, which doesn't necessarily make it right. But it's like um, scientific papers and things like that, right? Which normally can be very expensive behind a paywall. Uh, 
I know from experience. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and just letting him out for free. And so the, I guess, Department of Justice and MIT were kind of cracking down on him for that. And so he committed suicide. Yes. Maybe not the best solution. Um, so, no, no. so my thoughts, I don't know what you want to, you want to touch off with that? I mean, I think it's sad. I, I, I think it's sad because, you know, here is a perfect example. I think, you know, listen, did the man have to go and commit suicide? No, no. Now, you know, I ask myself every day why somebody like that has to go and commit suicide while this asshole that went and shot up all these kids at a school couldn't have committed suicide. Why didn't he just do that? Right. How, how much trouble you could mean, he have well, saved he the world? did, but after. No, no, no. I mean, I wish he had, you know, instead of the murder suicide, I, I wish I he did in the suicide, then maybe tried to commit murder. That would have been better. Yeah. The point is, you know, it, it's sad. It, it's obviously very, very sad. Right. You know, but I, I can't while I can't defend his choice there. I'll, let me put that caveat out there. I think, you can, you know, maybe you should try to face life's problems. I think at the same time, what it definitely shows is that we in this country are still fighting. And I can't speak about the whole world. But in this country, um, we are really struggling to have legislation and our law enforcement keep up with technology. Right? Yeah. And as a result, we end up with lots of really weird things happening. People getting these, you know, 15-year-olds getting multi-million dollar lawsuits against them by the RIAA, for example. Mm -hmm. How does that make any sense? Maybe back, you know, when, when all you were doing was distributing, you know, albums and making copies and throwing it out everywhere you could possibly and selling it for a profit. You know, okay, yeah, I get that. That's, that's just complete piracy, right? But, you know, 15-year-olds, really? Right. And this guy was only 25 and he co-founded Reddit. So he's a pretty clever guy. Yeah, so it's definitely so that, a, a big thinker, you know, that in of itself is a huge loss. I, I agree with everything else you said. Uh, so I'll just leave with uh, a slight correction from Bowtie Guy. Interesting correction is that, and I remember this now that he said it, is that MIT and JSTOR refused to prosecute. It was all the Department of Justice. There you go. And so. I think that's that's a big, big deal. I mean, MIT actually launched an investigation and kind of think was satisfied at the results. Yeah. Um, but hey, say lovey, right? In any case, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing when somebody feels like the only, whenever anyone feels like the only way out is suicide, that's sad, I think. Mm -hmm. It's multiple layers of sadness because the person that, that did it, I think, probably didn't deserve the fate that he was facing. Mm -hmm. And um, it just goes to show some of the problems with how we deal with, with uh, technology in this country. Jofo Oh, I'm asks, sorry, I'm sorry. He also co-wrote RSS when he was like 14. Which is awesome. I forgot about yes. that. It's ridiculous. You look at the guy's resume and you think, oh, man, what was he, 35, 40? No. Yeah. He's just really – And and not like one of those fake anyway. Chinese resumes where they, you know, like, you know, invented HTML. Oh. And now they want to be your network engineer. Yeah. Oh, damn it. We just hired that guy. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's too bad. Um, Jofo asks, what are, your, what are your favorite Castlevania games? Ooh. Um, I've actually passed – on a lot of the Metroidvania games. What? I, I don't I just don't have time. Um, oh, pass, pass because you didn't have time, not pass right. because you thought they were dumb. No, okay. I mean, I, from what I've played of Symphony of Night, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, of course. Sure. Uh, it's so, one of the best games ever made. So I'm going to go back on the classic Castlevania action platformers. Uh, Castlevania 3 is excellent. 
uh man it's like all the games castlevania 3 is excellent because i really like the character change mechanic the music is super amazing uh castlevania 4 is just a really really tight game and i still don't understand why you can't do the like whipping in every direction kind of thing that was the only game you could do that but probably the best of those is castlevania rondo of blood uh for the um turbo graphic cd not dracula x for the super nintendo which is all right but it's no rondo of blood yeah okay fair enough i i i enjoy both of those too um lords of shadows pretty good i mean that's it's a it's kind of a an attempt to kind of rethink castlevania and i think they did a great job and it stars patrick stewart i mean how could you go wrong um but come on guys i mean simply the night's still the best i i really enjoy a lot of the ds games Uh, portrait of ruins fantastic Mm. um uh what's the one i keep playing now um uh, I'm still playing the same game on DS, uh, Ecclesia, which everyone that is. Oh, Order that of Ecclesia. Order of Ecclesia. That one's really good too. Um, yeah, I see a lot. Really of, freaking hard, but I it's see, good. I see a lot of Castlevania three, Castlevania four going on. Um, it reminds me of Super Mario like that. A lot of people, three or Super Mario World are their favorites, and it, it's really hard to pick one that's better out of the two for very yeah. different reasons. So. Here's a cool question that will get us talking about a lot of cool things. Salim. That's an awesome name. Salim. You think it's going to go to the end, but it goes to the end. It's tricky. <laughs> um, Salim. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. How are you? Do you think... That's not the question. Do no. you think with Valve supporting Steam on Linux... Okay. Which you could actually invert and it would still work. Because now Linux is going to run... A Steam box. But anyway, and with the recent influx of games coming to the platform, do you think the year of the Linux desktop <laughs> is finally coming? Like 2002, 2003, 2004? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's coming. Uh, well, what does that mean, year of the Linux desktop? Is there yeah. like a certain percentage of people that are going to use Linux and that means it's the year of the Linux or uh, what? I'm, I'm going ma- to make this easy for you. No. <laughs> um, no, here's but. Here's... Here's here's what it is though. Here's yeah. what's interesting. This could be the year that Linux, in terms of being overt, so let, lest we forget, Android is Linux based. That's true. So pick up your Android smartphone running Linux. I think Linux as a as a as a huge viable or I'm, it is viable as a hugely popular desktop platform. Probably not going to happen. Maybe ever. But, I, I just don't know about that. But it is so versatile and it's being used in so many different things. I don't think it needs to be because, well, hell, yeah, like you just said, Android is based off of Linux. Um, you, you have so many different interesting things like the Raspberry Pi micro, super micro computer. Yes. Throw Linux on that. You got a whole computer in the palm of your hand. It's amazing. Right. Uh, Linux is so, doing fine. Yeah, but... You still have new distros like like being made compl- like completely. Oh right, but that's, but that's, so this is why here here's what I think. I think I think your question is antiquated because I think the desktop will die before <sighs> long before Linux does. The desktop itself is is a is an antiquated form of computing I, I, that I, we're I, all trying to find a way to figure out how to get past. You're gonna give me this post PC world bullcrap. We're already we're already in the post PC world. That's not the argument. Mm-hmm. It, the argument is, so think about, here's, here's something else that's really cool. 
over the during the new year holiday the folks over at ubuntu also made a little announcement they are going to be taking their version of linux and they're going to be porting it to phones and you should be able to run it on any android smartphone that you have because it's linux based so now you'll be able to run ubuntu on any android phone that's exciting because they're bringing all kinds of really cool stuff to the operating system. And what's happening, folks, is you're seeing this kind of crucible of innovation in terms of smartphones. This is why Apple is really running up against the wall right now in the smartphone business. No, I'm not oh, going to oh, say you this. Mean, you mean besides the fact that they keep touting uh, features in their commercials that have been on Android phones for like a year or two? Absolutely. Well, I mean, there you go, right? And then, and then you have the, you know, the, the Samsung commercials, which I don't own a Samsung phone, but let me just tell you, they're brilliant. Where they just make, you know, it just makes everybody that has an iPhone look stupid and old, right? I agree. Um, but anyway, so, I, I, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, um, look at that. Touting your super huge phone. Oh, it's super huge. Look at anyway, that. but um, your super huge phone. But anyway, so the, the, the idea is I think that, that Apple's kind of run up against it because they're not. They're taking a lot of a heat right now because they're not being innovative. They just did something they've never done, which is shorten the... Um, uh, the the shipments of components that they need to make iPhones because iPhone demand is smaller than they have ever expected it would be for the five. I saw you tweeting and about was, that the other day, and I would see that trend probably is going to continue. Mm -hmm. In any case, um, you're going to see, I think, a, a huge amount of innovation in the smartphone platforms. And folks, let's not call it what it's not. Let's call it what it is. It is a revolution of Linux. So I think that's fair. So the desktop is not the answer. The answer is everything else. And when here's the other thing that everyone's talking about at CES this year, the IOE, the internet of everything. In other words, everything in your entire life gets connected and somehow there is something that gauges or that distributes intelligence to those things. Yeah, giant hive mind, circa 1984. In other, anyway, in, other, in other news, Sonic Tezelda's sister and physics of video games are extraordinarily cool people. All right, next question. Very good. Next, next, next question. All right. Um. All right. And I agree with Mahi. Okay. Okay. Any haircut? Sky Sam Freeman. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Any thoughts about the new Godzilla movie coming out in 2014 from Legendary Pictures? Nope. Me neither. I could really. I, I remember the last one with uh, yeah, Matthew. Brown. I've never really been into Godzilla. I just, Godzilla just seems like such a stupid, stupid thing. Oh. JC three one five with another Final Fantasy iOS game being released. What do you mm. think, Square Enix and the iOS adaptations? What do you think? Wait, this this question is written poorly. I I will adapt it. What do you think of Square Enix and the iOS adaptations they have made? Uh, I haven't played them because they're freaking expensive. They're really, okay. they're way too expensive. I will give you the sub question of this question. Sub question. It clearly was two questions that this person tried to forge into one but failed, which is what do you think of the idea of Final Fantasy being on other operating systems? You know, in terms of being brought to mobile platforms and in other in other words, places that they weren't. I mean, a lot of these games don't 
work so well on huge touchscreen phones. That's just the way it is. Uh, I mean, emulators for game like old video games on phones are nice, but they never feel right. Um, yeah. Because you have the keypad right there on the screen, it's 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 weird. I mean, I people, even on your huge phone, even on my huge phone, yeah. But uh, people keep to, you know saying, oh, it's end of 3ds, end of the Vita. Well, okay, Vita's about ended anyway. But people keep yeah. saying it's the end of mobile gaming uh, right. or That's mobile just, handhelds, yeah. dedicated handhelds because of smartphones. And I just don't see that being the case. I think I think we're close. I just don't think we're there yet. I think I think there's there's different types of games that work better on different on each. I mean, there's, I'm sure, well, you don't have a 3ds, but you have a DS. I'm sure there's lots of games on your DS that you, that would not be nearly as good on a smartphone. Yeah. But here's the thing. And vice if, versa. if given the right components, there's no reason my smartphone couldn't do everything the DS does and better. And that's the point because, eh. because if, because the let's face it, the DS at this point is old as crap. The 3DS uses technology that's just as old, and so uh, you know, there's no reason from a technology perspective that a, that a smartphone couldn't do what a 3DS does. It just doesn't because it lacks the proper context. My thought is the proper context is what's coming, and you're right; it hasn't hit yet, but I think it's coming. All right, here's a cool here's a cool thing. Insert clever name. This Bob. is dovetailing very neatly into what you just said. What do you guys think the next Nintendo handheld will be? How will it compete with phone and apps? Already? How did that work? That's perfect. Um, wow. I think it's... I say it's too early to say, but geez, 3DS has been out almost two years now, huh? Yes. Let me say this. Another part of the things we could have mentioned in the TNB, Nintendo announced today they are merging their console and mobile gaming units. A lot, you know, a lot of theories abound as to why they're doing this. Could be because they want to eliminate redundancies. I don't know, but they are bringing these games together, these these two units together, which could speak, just saying, could speak to them creating a single unified platform that would do both mobile gaming and console gaming at the same time. And it's I'm of a divided mind on that because it seems like with the Wii U that is partially where Nintendo is trying to go, but at the right. same time would they really axe their by far most profitable anything? Wasn't wasn't always that way. For decades. Ever since yeah, the Game uh, Boy, they've ever uh, since the Game Boy they've owned the mobile space. Are they just going to kind of yes. give that up? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is they're joining it. Okay. So I know, so I know. But. Again, like, again like, a, like a Project Shield. So what would happen is you'd have something the size of a 3DS that you bring with you. Or, all right, if you want to, the size of your Wii U controller. And then take that home and just hit a button and it pops up on the TV and you have a full-blown game system. I would see that being much more likely than them cutting and running from a mobile space at all. If I had to guess, that's probably a lot of what the next mobile... Uh, console, or the, mobile, the handheld device will be from Nintendo, but I don't see it coming for a little while. Seems like a natural thing to me. Um, whew. Okay. Uh, man, good questions from Ace, Ace Aces. Cool name. Took me a while to parse all the letters, but <laughs> Ace Aces. Um, here's a weird one. Where do you see games? I'm just going to pick one of these. Where do you see games in 10 years? That's a broad question. 
That's okay. Answer, um, we, we, we run a broad show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless something crazy happens, I don't see Sony in the in the in the console market. Um, console market. The console market, as in the video game market at all. No, they might be in the video game market somehow, but I don't think it's necessarily with consoles. That's interesting. Okay. The PS. Well, I mean, they're we're they're, talking ten years. Yeah. They're about to launch their new system, which should have a life of ten years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just. But, but what? what the other thing, the other thing I tweeted it? about last week was that the PS3, the PS2, is finally out of production. Right. And right. that launched in two thousand and what? Two thousand one? Two thousand? Right. But let's be frank. A lot of reasons people bought PS2 is because it was a DVD player as well. I know. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons it's so popular all around the world, which is the only reason why they still produce it. I mean, come on. Right. So, so what are they going to do? For the and this, this is the biggest question I think coming into this year, and especially going into E3. What are they going to do to make their next console a must-buy? A not third place. Yeah, because yeah. okay, I mean, say what you will about the Wii U. At least it's something different, you know. It is. And and Microsoft undoubtedly is going to completely integrate the Connect in a much better way with their next system. The in fact, next... there was news about that at CES. But yes, exactly. I, but you look at you look at PlayStation and it's like move, you know that's that's already old news. I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah, move was half-hearted. Um, I, here's what's by far. Here's what's more compelling to me. Sony as a company is in desperate, desperate trouble. Mm-hmm. Desperate. Well, trouble. yeah. In general, yeah. Now Nintendo might be in trouble, but they're not in desperate trouble. No, Nintendo just had their first Sony down is quarter in- ever recently desperate desperate trouble they are struggling to find what business they're in in almost every market they're in Mm -hmm. that's a problem microsoft as a company might not be doing well but microsoft has very specific divisions that do very well right right so you know they're not they're not going anywhere anytime soon so sony is in a is in a precarious situation they're not like the Xbox where, you know, the Xbox kind of seeded a loss on technology in order to kind of build a brand that now people really do identify with. PlayStation had the hubris that kind of knocked a lot of people off um, the bandwagon into other areas of gaming. And it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of admit their mistakes and move to the next thing, which is a very un-Japanese thing to do, by the way. Yeah. Mm. Or it's to kind of charge through. We are Sony. We will win this. That's more likely. Or- Which is more likely. Um, and I think we'll demonstrate further hubris on their part. But remember, they have a completely new president now. And the man that runs the helm. Barack Obama. The man that runs the helm at Sony, the entire company, was the gaming guy. Not to not, not, to not Kaz the gamer guy, but Kaz the <laughs> gamer guy now runs Sony. So, so uh, quick hits. Um, I think things like the Steam box, you're going to see more stuff like that, more digital yep. distribution, small like Roku boxes, but for video games, you're going to see uh, uh, something we don't know. Mobile gaming is going to evolve in a way we don't know because honestly, 10 years ago, who could have expected anything like iPhone, Android, App Store kind of stuff? Yeah. So who right. knows? Right. No, I, I, that's, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. 
Um, physics of video games. This is a cool. This is a cool uh, question. Do you believe this idea of the dark film is a fad that's going to end soon? Take for example the new, and I'm going to add another word to it: ridiculously stupid Hansel and Gretel garbage movie. The dark film. Yeah, kind of. You know, like. like um... So, so he, you know. I think we see a, a, a demonstrative shift in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. toward very much a darker kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even like Spider-Man, dark, like, dark, like dark retellings of like lighthearted or standard fare stuff like yeah. maybe uh, Empire, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, things like yes. that. Yes. Kind of silly twists. Exactly. Uh, that's definitely a fad. Honestly, I think it is too. I think it is too. I just don't, I don't see a whole lot of that kind of taking. Unrelated to that though. I just, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? I haven't seen Cabin in the Woods. Oh man. I had a lot of fun with that, but you're not a huge fan of Joss Whedon. So I don't know. You might be weird, but no, but Hey, you know, I mean, I I like something done. So I went in, I went in mostly blind and I, I, I I really enjoyed it. Okay. That's good. There's that. Yeah. I can dig it. (laughs) Um, cool. All right, that's that's a good one. I I think this Hansel and Gretel thing is going to be total garbage. Of course. And I, I you know I I've, you know I think of um, what the hell was the name of that that uh, it starred um, Wolverine, um, and not uh, not Catwoman. Um, it starred. Name uh, is Rabla. No. Um, the Beaver. The Doctor from Dracula. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Um, Van Helsing was yeah. kind of the for my money because I went to go see that. Actually, no. You know where the, you know where this for my money became awful was the movie. Was it called the Grimm Brothers or the Brothers Grimm? Brothers Grimm. Yeah, I can't remember. With, about Matt, the same with Matt Damon. That movie was so awful. Matt Damon. I just said, why would people actually? Because I, I was excited about the idea that there were going to be some classic retellings of some old stories, and yeah. it was just terrible. That and I have no team? idea how they continue to make these. I just don't understand. I that. thought Heath Ledger was in that. Was Matt Damon? He was. It was Heath Ledger and Matt Damon. That's a weird pair. All right. It is. One's dead. One just wishes he was. Ah, okay. uh, thank you. That's harsh and dark. Well, I mean, Ben Affleck's winning Oscars now. What's Matt Damon doing? That was a surprise, by the. Well, that wasn't an Oscar. As no, well. uh, f- uh, fair enough. And you're right. Ben Affleck's not even nominated for an Oscar, so I, I take that. I know back. that's kind of sucks. But that was a surprise. Didn't see Argo winning Golden Globe. Why? The Golden Globes are always this way. The Golden Globes always, always, always pick what what's going what's not going to happen at the Oscars what? on purpose. Really? The way that it what? always works. Are you sure? Look, it, no, no, no. We're talking about it, the same it, Golden Globes. Talking about the same Golden Globes. I'm not saying they do that as a rule, as a constant, undeniable rule. What I'm saying is. That plenty of times in the history of the Golden Globes, they've made selections that indicate what the Oscars are going to do. Well, this year, I think they didn't pick Lincoln because it's the obvious choice, and it, and everyone knows it's going to win the best. I picture. don't think it is now. Why? Uh, I it got very little love. I mean, apart from um, yeah, no, it's the Golden Welcome Globes. To movie talk no one with cares. What, what if well, Daniel Day-Lewis is obvious. No one cares on, about the on. Golden Globes. Don't pff, 
Daniel Day Lewis is obviously going to win Best Actor. That's give, He's gonna win best, best give actor. it to him now. And, sure. And the fact is, they could not deny that fact for the Golden Globes. They couldn't no, get away. Of course not. It's undeniable. But what I find interesting but about the Golden, Golden Globes, Globes this year is that everything that the awards were very evenly spaced. Yeah, they were very evenly. They were, um, but you know, they're, they're more like that. The Oscars aren't that way. I don't even know if there is a favorite necessarily for the for the Oscars. Now. Oh, absolutely. No, no. Lincoln is the odds-on favorite to win. I don't <laughs> think so. Look. Just go read a Hollywood blog and trust me. Go to Slash Film. It's a fantastic site, by the way. Slash Film. It's great. Their podcast is also highly entertaining. It is, I, they will tell you, the odds on favorite is Lincoln. I'm not saying it's going to win. I'm saying it's the odds on favorite. Because mm. a lot of times, you know, the Oscars like to futz with your mind. And they do that. Not really. But one thing they won't be picking is a Ben Affleck movie because he's not even nominated. But shh. Um, well, they won't be picking Ben Affleck for best director because he's not nominated, which is what I mean. You think Tarantino's okay. going to get it, though? Do what? You think Tarantino's going to get it? Um, boy, that would be the ultimate masturbatory. He doesn't have an Oscar, right? Uh, I don't think so. Speaking of which, though, I've heard Django is awesome. That's what I've heard. Um, also, I've heard Christoph Waltz is great in it, which is not surprising to me at all. No. So. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's uh, the way it's going. I must, must see Zero Dark Thirty. I bet that's just absolutely fantastic. So that's going to happen. There's actually a really good slate of movies this year uh, for the Best Picture. I'm kind of surprised there wasn't like a, there doesn't seem to be a huge stinker in any of them. No, I, I agree with that. I don't think there really is. You know, they they kind of just do stupid stuff with you know some of these foreign films. Like that's what the Golden Globes are supposed to be. The Golden Globes are supposed to be a global perspective. The foreign writers coming together to denominate a lot of different movies that you probably wouldn't normally see winning at the Oscars. That's why the Golden Globes exist. But unfortunately, they've strayed from that. Although Tina Fey was very funny, along with uh, what's her face. Um, they're all right. Well, yeah, but they're no Ricky Gervais. Well. Whatever. <laughs> Last question, and we're going to move on from this one. Insert clever name had another great question. I think this is good. Do you ever think there'll be a gaming Oscars? Well, there is. It just sucks. Well, no, he specifically says not the VGAs. Oh, then. Um... But those aren't Oscars. The VGAs are more like the Golden Globes than they are the Oscars. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, there are award shows. They don't just get much play. Uh, and I, I can't what he's think asking of... is so. Something you, that's, like, televised that people care about? No, if you ask someone in Hollywood, right, what they'll tell you is that the Golden Globes is just a big party for Hollywood. Well, yeah, it's, they're, like, drinking it, the whole time. It's like, it's like PAX East. The Oscars is all business. Developers Awards win. That's what you actually want to win. You want to win an Oscar because you are touted by the Academy of Film and your peers, right? Mm-hmm. You ever think we'll have that with video games? Will there be an academy of video game arts? There could be, but I don't think anytime soon. Yeah, I don't well, think so. I mean, but there is. There's like developers' awards and stuff. It's just that no one really cares, unfortunately. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, I mean, they, they're still newsworthy, but just, just you're right. That doesn't really happen very much. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think that's probably true as well. I'd like to see it, but I don't think it'll probably happen anytime soon. We're going to need games going to step it up. Another great article to go read. There is another article that is written about Beyond Two Souls. Uh, with the creator of that game that's talking about how innovation is really kind of stifled through sequels. Another good thing to read. I think as, lo as long as we're in that form with video games and they're not nearly as numerous as movies, you know, we're probably not going to have a, a video game 
you know, arts council anytime. I want to answer a couple of questions because I just saw them. Uh, okay. Do you think Atari or Sega will ever come out with a new successful console? No. Um, and Atari also is not really Atari anymore. It's just, it's actually infograms. But anyway, uh, also, what am I drinking? Harris Teeter, Diet Cherry Cola. Delicious. It's no Dr. Smooth, but it'll, it'll do. Oh, Dr. Smith. The doctor is in. <laughs> Next. All right. Uh, no, that's about it. I just saw this. Okay, too. that's it. So. Good. All right, perfect. Well, we'll get out of there on a, uh, a Dr. Smooth note then. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thank you all for watching. Thank you for putting up with some of our technical difficulties. It almost canceled the entire program. Um, boy, I hope that doesn't happen again. Can we make sure that doesn't happen again? I'll just not install anything on my computer ever again. Yeah, just, and just uninstall everything except for the stuff that you need. Uh, we'll figure that out. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, folks, for putting up with us again. I hope you had a good time. I had a good time. We, we talked about a lot of cool stuff. There's aspartame um, in this soda. When is the next time that people are going to be able to see us, Mr. Rue? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? <laughs> Real cat face. Also, Lynn Sanity. I had to say that. Um, <laughs> let's Damn see. It. Well, as everyone knows, uh, we generally go on the first and third Wednesday of every month. There are five Wednesdays in January, which means that the next time we'll be doing this is February 6th. Wednesday, February 6th. Take that. Take that. So, Wednesday, February 6th, we'll talk about something equally compelling, and there'll probably be lots of fun things to talk about in terms of gaming news then, because a lot of the uh, the new releases for the year that we have kind of been under the radar and you're ready to see get released, they're going to start getting released by then. So we're going to see those things creeping up. We're actually going to be able to play them, hopefully, although I'm still catching up with games from 2010, I have to tell you. In any case, folks, folks, it's been real. It's been fun. But it has been real fun. Actually, it has been real fun. I've had a good time. Yeah. Hope you did too. Anyway, thank you. So join us Join us next time on the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Grey Wolf. As always, I am your host, the Commodore. Ding, ding. And you are? Rue. That's and me. Until next time, folks, remember, there is no reset button. That's all I can do.